Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly sermon. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. So as Pastor Jay was preaching last week, he was in John 16, and I really just kind of, I kind of want to pick up, not really pick up on his message, because I'm going to be in essentially the same text, John 16, but as I read through, we've done this series on the helper, there's three times when Jesus uses the term the helper or the advocate or comforter, whatever your Bible might say, three times out of the four times he mentions the helper, he also refers to him as the spirit of truth. So I think that's significant. You know, the word truth appears about a hundred times, a little over a hundred times in the New Testament. Twenty-five of those times it appears in the book of John. So, you know, there's some themes in John, love, there's a theme of believe, truth is another theme that runs through the book of John. So, I just kind of want to run through these first three verses. I want to just read to you from John 14, and then John 15, and then John 16. And one thing you're going to see as a common theme throughout these verses is the Trinity. And as I reread them this week, you'll see the Trinity in each one of these passages. You're going to see Jesus, sometimes he says me, sometimes he says I, mine. You're going to see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, He, uh, sometimes calls him He, the Helper, whatever you might call him. And then you're also going to see Jesus refer to the Father. And so all three of these are in, in each verse. And if you think about the Holy Spirit in terms of being the Spirit of Truth, that if you look in the Old Testament, three different times I, I see that that Moses and then David and then Isaiah referred to God the Father as the God of truth. And then we see Jesus referring to himself, one of the passages we looked at in the I Am series, where Jesus says, I am the way, you finish it, the truth and the life. We know that John, in the beginning of John, says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory as did the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have all received. So you have God the Father is truth. Jesus is truth. And the Holy Spirit is now referred to as the Spirit of truth. So there's nothing the Holy Spirit would ever talk to you about, lead you into, guide you of, convict you of, that would not line up with Jesus. And we also know that Jesus is called the Word. John 1 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So we know that nothing the Holy Spirit says, or leads you to, or guides you in, or directs you in, convicts you of, whatever it might be, nothing will, nothing will be incongruent with that of Jesus, that of the Word, or that of God. And so the three always agree. Truth always equals truth. So let me just read these to you. John 14. And Jesus says in verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Pull up the first slide, guys. Actually, that's Pastor Jay's message. But that was a good one. Should I preach this one today? Pastor Jay talked about the moral compass, and here it says, I will put a new 
uh, law within them. I will replace their stony flesh and, or stony heart and give them a heart of flesh, a new heart, and I will write on them the laws on their heart. Maybe I'm supposed to go this way today. It'll actually kind of go with what we're going to say. All right, go ahead and get the right one up there. John 15, verse 26. See, now you're going to have to actually get your Bibles out. Oh, no. you got to have your Bible. They need to make an app that sounds like pages turning, you know? I just feel like, I feel like if I don't hear any pages, nothing's happening. Somebody create that. John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me or he'll bear witness to me. And then we're going to turn to John chapter 16. And it starts in verse 7, then I'll skip down. Verse 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is, not, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And then in verse 13, let's just read verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For whatever He hears, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Holy Spirit, I just ask today. Lord, you're the God over media. So if it doesn't work, this is your service. Lord, you're the God over every situation. The Holy Spirit, speak truth to each individual today. Whatever they might need, in Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you about, oh, look at that, came up. All right, let's go to the next slide. So three things I want to talk to you about, and I may cut this short. You're saying, yeah, hot in here. No, three things about the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of truth. It says that, first one we're going to look at right now, he, he will guide you into all truth. Number two is He will tell you things to come. And the third thing is, is we'll close with, is he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. So they all kind of go together, but three things. He will guide you into all truth, he will tell you things to come, and he will take from what is mine and declare it unto you. So when it says that he will guide you into all truth, now last week Pastor Jay talked about the Holy Spirit being our moral compass, right? And on the inside, he puts, we no longer work out of the law of the Old Testament of do's and don'ts, we have a Holy Spirit in us that directs us what's right, what's wrong. And matter of fact, the new covenant raises the law to even, even a higher standard. So that, that under the, the covenant of grace with the Holy Spirit, that we're held to a higher standard even than the law. And so he says that I will guide you into all truth. And a lot of times when I've heard people talk about this before, and, and, if, and I've said this, and I, I've, I've really changed my thinking on it, they say, well, the Holy Spirit is like our internal GPS. Has anybody ever heard somebody say that? He's kind of like our MapQuest, or he's kind of like Google Directions, right? He will guide you into all truth. And I get that to a point, but really the word guide means to lead in the way. 
It means to be a leader. It doesn't mean to be a GPS. See, a guide is somebody that's familiar with the territory they're leading you into. A GPS has no clue. It just recites things. Google Maps isn't familiar with the directions it's giving you. It's just telling you about them. See, the Holy Spirit is a guide. A few years ago, my dad and I, uh, he took me on a fishing trip, and we went down a section of the Potomac River. And it was a section that we weren't really familiar with. So we hired a guide. His name was Guide Larry. And Larry took us down the Potomac River. Now, it wasn't that I didn't know how to fish. I know some of you might not believe that, but I know how to bait a hook. I, I don't know how to tie a fly, but, but matter of fact, I'm a, my, fem, my, my, fi, my femininity, that's not what I'm going to say. <laughs> fishing, fishing ability is not femininity. My fishing ability stops at a Zebco 33. Now, if you know anything, I, I like this closed face reel, right? And the old Zebco 33 is what I grew up on. So if you give me one of these open face reels, I will throw it out one time, and then you're going to spend the next hour unwinding the mess that I just created. So Zebco 33, that's my space. But So we hired a guide, not because we didn't know how to fish, not because I hadn't grown up fishing, but because we weren't familiar with the stretch of river that we'd be fishing on. See, this is a guy that grew up on this river. This is a guy that spent his life fishing this river. And it's really cool when you hire a guide, he, he brings the tackle, he brings the bait, he brings the boat, he, bring, he even brings lunch. He makes the lunch and brings it. All you have to do is show up and shut up. Because this guy knows the river. He knows, he'll say, hey, Fred, you see that hole over there? That's the honey hole. Now, you fishermen don't know what a honey hole is. He said, that's the honey hole. If you throw your lure here and float it just like this, I guarantee you something will bite on it. See, he knows the river. He knows where the fish are. He knows the time of day that the fish bite. And he guides you while you're there. See, it would be foolish for me to try to tell him how to fish on his river. That would be absurd. You know, and while you're floating, you run into some other people. There's other people on the river who don't have a guide. And they'll say, hey, what are you using? And they'll say, yeah, we're using such and such. And then they go, ah, <laughs> you'll never catch anything on that. You need to use this. And then the guide says, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. I know what I'm talking about. See, the Holy Spirit's very similar to that fishing guy. He knows the river of truth. He's familiar with truth. He is truth. He knows when to speed up. He knows when to slow down. He knows where there's rocks under the current that can't be seen, and you need to go left. But you think you need to go right. He knows where the fish are. Imagine that. He knows what you need to say, when you need to say it, what you need to do, when you need to keep your mouth closed, and when you need to open it. He guides you. He guides you into all truth. And, and too often, instead of allowing Him to guide us into truth, we try to guide Him into our version of the truth. Well, Holy Spirit, let me tell you why well, my truth is superior to your truth. 
Because I've been doing this 50 years now. My goodness, I'm experienced. <laughs> and what's he do? I've been doing this for a gazillion years. I invented truth. So don't try to convince the Holy Spirit of your version of the truth. What is truth? When Jesus was before Pilate, look at the next slide. John chapter 18. Pilate asked the same question. He says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king? Jesus said, Yes. You say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? It's a question people have been asking for as long as people have been around. People still ask it today. See, everybody has their version of the truth. Some people even think truth is based on personal preference. You know what? That's your truth. This is my truth. And it's all good. Well, it's not all good. See, truth is not based on your personal preference. You might want to believe that, but it's not. If you look up the Cambridge definition, Cambridge Dictionary definition of truth on the next slide, Cambridge defini Dictionary definition of truth says the quality of being true. So what's that mean? The quality of being true. Then you got to say, well, what's true? True just means in accordance with reality. I want you to remember that phrase, in accordance with reality. To be true means to be in accordance with reality. The quality of being true, the actual fact or facts about a matter, a belief or principle that is thought to be true by most people. And if you look through most dictionaries, as they add definitions, they keep populating to the bottom. I believe the Bible definition of truth is the quality of being true. The rest of those don't really apply because facts change. You might say, well, that's a fact. Matter of fact, when we're telling somebody what our version of the truth is, when that's a fact, that's a fact. Well, you know what? Facts change. Have you been listening to the coronavirus facts lately? Tell me those facts haven't changed over the last four months. Every day. Every hour. I, I don't know what's true. Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? I don't know. If your mask works, why do I need one? I don't know. I could read the facts, and the facts say 3.5% of the people will die. That's a fact. But then I can read Mark chapter 16 that says, If you drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt you. So all of a sudden I have a fact, and I have the truth. And the truth says, I can ingest anything, not know it, and that thing will die because I have resurrection power on the inside. So which fact are you going to believe? Now I'm not saying ignore the facts. 
but don't live by the facts. Every fact that doesn't, that's not rooted in truth has to submit to truth. A belief or principle that's thought to be true by most people. I don't need to go into a lot of detail, but think of things that are permissible today in the United States that a hundred years ago you wouldn't even speak of in public. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Things that it was shameful to do. Things that you wouldn't talk about are now legal. It's a fact that they're okay. Because the majority says it's right. And if the majority says it's right, it's now considered a fact. Facts based in the truth of God's Word do not change. See, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He's not the Spirit of facts. The Holy Spirit bears witness to the truth. When you hear the truth, something should rise up in you and say, that's right! That's right! And when you hear something that disagrees with the truth, something should rise up in you and say, that's wrong! Because it doesn't line up with the truth. The Holy Spirit is not the... He's not the, the Spirit of the facts. He's not the Spirit of what my personal preference is. He's not the Spirit of what's popular or culturally acceptable. He's the Spirit of truth. Next slide. Not the Spirit of what's popular or culturally acceptable. He's not the Spirit of my personal preference or what feels right. And He is not the Spirit of the facts. See, we get real good at rehearsing the facts. We get real good at rehearsing what we can dig up on the internet. Well, I looked this up on the internet and it said that, man, I've only got six months to live. I looked this up on the internet and it says we're all going to go broke in the next two years. You know, we get real good at looking up facts that don't line up with the truth. And then we start repeating them. See, I think a lot of times we, we come to this truth like a Chinese buffet. You're looking at me like, what? I, I, I need that Chinese buffet to open back up. I don't know about you, but I love the Chinese buffet. But a lot of times we go to truth like a Chinese buffet. So what do you mean? Well, you know, if I go into the Chinese buffet, if and when that opens back up, no, when that opens back up, let's declare that. I can always guarantee you I'm going to get me some General Cho's chicken and sticky white rice. Guaranteed. Yes and amen. But that octopus, it's going to stay right where it's at. Matter of fact, I don't want to be greedy. I want to leave that for somebody else. Let's let somebody else have that. I'm going to get me some fried wontons. Fried egg rolls, yes and amen. 
But that black jello, I bind that demonic spirit of black jello. What is that stuff? I know it's back to the pit of hell. Who eats that? Ugh. See, we do the same thing with truth. I want me some that God's going to meet all my needs. I want me some God's going to provide for me. I want me some of that abundant life. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, like Pastor Jay said earlier, hey, I want you to give such and such amount of money. Ooh, I don't want that one. That's like egg drop soup. Oh yes, preacher, I want me some of that unconditional love and forgiveness. I want me some of that grace that's free. I want some of that truth. Ooh, but I don't want that truth that says I need to live righteous. Don't want that truth. I want the truth that said God forgives me of all my sin, even the ones I haven't committed yet. But I don't want the truth that says I shouldn't be living in sin. See, we go up to the buffet and we just take a scoop of what we want. And we just leave that He does not lead you into. It's a lie. You know who the liar is? <laughs> yeah. Jesus told us this. See, look at John chapter 8. Look what Jesus says about the devil. Next slide. No, not that one. Back up a couple. John 8.44 It says that you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not... Remember this. He does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is alive and the father of it. See, he starts with this just little question. It says he was a murderer from the beginning. Every death, every sickness, every disease, every perversion, everything was unleashed in the beginning out of a lie. It all started with a lie. It started with a lie that said, Hey Eve, did God say you shouldn't eat of that tree? Did He really say that? And then he goes on to say a bold lie. You won't surely die because God knows in the day that you eat thereof, you'll be like Him knowing good and evil. So all of a sudden he tells a lie, but tells the truth. See, there's no such thing as a half-truth. Any truth laced with lie is a lie. If I make a pie for you and I put a little doggy doo doo in it, just a little bit, it was just, just a teaspoon. Do you want to eat it? It's just a, it's just, it's just a little bit. 
As a matter of fact, it was, it was Willow's. It wasn't Grayson's. It was smaller. But it's all mixed in. It's all contaminated. See, we think just a little bit of untruth won't hurt us. If I'm just off by one degree. See, if I was going to walk to California, it's about 3,000 miles. But do you know if I'm off by one degree, I'm going to be 50 miles plus off my target? Just a degree. And if you're going to the moon and you're off by one degree, you'll never hit it. You'll be off by over 4,000 miles. You think, well, it's just a little off base. A little off base won't hurt me. Well, let me tell you, you've got a lot of living left to do. And if you're off one degree today, where are you going to be 40, 50 years from now? You're going to be way off base. And you won't even know you're off base. We go to the next slide. Let's go to John. Let's go to John eight thirty two. We quote this a lot. We quote verse thirty two a lot. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, but you really need to quote verses thirty one and thirty two together. Jesus says, "If you do what." If you abide, now what does it say the devil does? The devil does not stand, right? The devil does not stand. He's not established in truth. Jesus says, if you abide, if you remain, if you dwell in my word, then you are my disciples and what? And you will know the truth. And the truth that you then know will set you free. See, knowing a truth does not set you free. If, you, if, if just knowing a truth and having head knowledge of it set you free, there'd be nobody in bondage today. Everybody knows the truth. See, this word know means to have a relationship with. It actually means intercourse between a man and a woman. Only the truth that you get intimate with will set you free. See, just a casual knowledge of it's not going to do a darn thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be struggling with what you're struggling with. If, if being intimate with the truth sets me free, what does being intimate with a lie do? Find you up. See, if you're in bondage today in any area of your life, it's because at one point or another, you got in bed with a lie. See, when you get in bed with a lie once, it's real easy to go get in bed a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. And after a while, you think that lie is now the truth. So you can mess up and fall into somebody's bed once. Correct me. But every time you go back, it just becomes easier to go back again 
and again and again. The same way with getting intimate with a lie. All right, next slide. I haven't even got to my message yet. I knew this was going to happen. All right, we'll make this quick. He will tell you things to come. So when I read this, a lot of times we think, and correctly so, we think that the Holy Spirit will tell us the future, and He does. And He does, 100%. He will also tell us maybe what path to take, where to go, what to do. He may talk to us internally. He may talk to us through a, a prophet, somebody giving you a prophecy over your life. He might talk to you through God's Word, whatever. But I want to look at this in a little different way, and I want to look at an example in Luke chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Luke 8, you can. But I want to look at a story of Jairus, just kind of in context of the spirit of truth versus the spirit of facts. Because here, here at the end of the day, facts can only predict the future. They can't declare the future. Facts can only give you statistical prediction of what the future will be. But too often, we allow facts to shape the future of a situation. We allow the facts of the situation to declare what will be, and they don't have the right. Only the truth can tell us what will come. Luke chapter 8. Next slide. It says, so it was. Now, I want, you, I want to point out the facts in this story because the reason I picked this story is because it's an extreme example. And if I can believe that Jesus can do it in the worst of cases, anything up to that point, slam dunk. Right? So I, I want to build your faith with this story. And I want you to see how the facts come into the situation. Now, the break, we're going to break. See where it says verse 42, and then we're going to flip down. I think it's to verse 50 or 50-something. 50 the woman with the issue of blood comes right in the middle of this story. So here you have Jairus coming up to Jesus. He makes a request. The woman with the issue of blood story takes place, and then it flips back. So I'm skipping, skipping that part. It says, So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there was a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age. Here's the fact. And she was what? Fact. She was sick. She was dying. He says, I want you to come to my house because my daughter is dying. Fact. But as he went, the multitude thronged him. Next slide. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, so in the middle of him saying, my daughter is dying, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is another fact, right? She died. It's over. The facts are she is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Hey, it's over. Don't bother Jesus. Your daughter is officially dead. Fact. What's Jesus say? When Jesus heard it, 
he answered him saying, Do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Fear comes in when I elevate the facts above the truth. When I put more validity in the facts than the truth, fear is the result. Faith rises up when I elevate the truth over the facts. Fear is based on a fact that's anchored in an inferior reality. It's a fact on earth, right? It's a fact she's dead. Faith is a fact that's anchored in a superior reality. What did the Apostle Paul say? John Ward gave me this verse this morning. It says, whatsoever things that are seen are temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. So your faith has to be anchored in the eternal realm, not the, not the temporal realm. Temporal realm leads to fear. Jesus says, fear not, only believe, and she'll be made well. When he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, the father of the mother and the girl. Next slide. Another fact. Now they all wept and mourned for her, and he said, do not weep. She's not dead, but sleeping. Here's another fact. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. They knew a fact. Jesus knew the truth. The fact says, she's dead. Ah, ha, ha. Go ahead and use that lore. You're not going to catch anything on that one. But the guide said, she's sleeping. She's alive. She'll be made well. See, when you come to that point in the road and you got something in your life and the facts say this, the doctor says this, the internet says this, your mother says this, God's Word says this, you got a choice. You got a choice. Am I going to have fear? Or am I going to have faith? Next. Facts can only predict the future of a situation, so never give them permission to declare its outcome. So you can tell me facts all day long. I'm not telling you not, I'm not telling you to be illiterate, not to watch the news, but I limit my news. I limit my internet. I limit my Facebook. If I want to get all the facts in the world on a situation, I'll just go to Google. And I can find out anything I want, but you have a search engine greater than Google. Do you know that? Do you know it says that the Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And He goes to that well of God that's all truth, and He draws from it, and He declares it to you. Next slide. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. We're going to close here. 
We can go ahead and have the worship team come up because we're going to take communion. Whoever's going to lead us. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit goes. It, it's just like it's it, it's like He transfers eternal resources into my account when I need them. He takes them what belongs to Jesus and transfers it to me. It's like my wife was writing a check out the other day, and the check she had to write was bigger than the amount in her account. So she went to the well. <laughs> she said, dig deep, baby. It's a big check. And I transferred resources into her account that were greater than the check she had to write. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus says He will take from what is mine, and when He speaks to you, He's making a transfer from the eternal now into the natural. He's making a transfer from, from the spiritual into the natural. And He says He will take from what is mine, and Jesus says, all that the Father has is mine. And so I kind of asked, I was pondering that this week, I was like, well, i got to ask the question, what does the Father have? What does the Father have? If the Holy Spirit is taking from what belongs to Jesus, and everything that Jesus has belongs to the Father, what does the Father have? Let me tell you what He doesn't have. He doesn't have any lack. He doesn't have diabetes. doesn't have nerve pain. doesn't have any growths growing on his body that shouldn't be there. He doesn't have a drug or an alcohol problem. He doesn't have any bad habits. Frankly, he doesn't even have a bad attitude. If you have any of those things, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to make a transfer. Because that's what He wants to do. The greatest thing that God doesn't have is any sin. And the greatest resource and the greatest transfer the Holy Spirit could ever make is to take righteousness and put it onto you. So I don't know what he's speaking to each one of you today, but but I got to believe that most people need a transfer. You need to transfer from the eternal right into your situation. He has access to it. He knows it. He's familiar with the territory. 
Jesus says, He will glorify me because He takes from what is mine and declares it to you. Jesus is happy when that happens. Jesus is glorified when that happens. I'm not going to ask you to, to, to get up right now, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I just before we take communion, communion's for believers. It's not for believers that have been saved a long time. You can get saved right now and take communion. But if you don't know Jesus, see, the devil might be, the facts might be that you're guilty. The facts might be that you're, you're overwhelmed with guilt. The truth is that Jesus has paid for that. The truth is that you can walk out here day, today and be completely sin-free. thought of this, God doesn't have depression either. Somebody might need a transfer of joy today. One of the things that Jesus took at the cross, he said that the chastisement of our peace, or for our peace, was upon him. So if you don't know Jesus, I just want you to just, just pray this to yourself. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you don't know Jesus, you can be completely sin-free. Just say, Father in heaven, I thank you that Jesus died and paid for every one of my sins. I acknowledge Jesus as Lord of my life. I believe that he died and rose again the third day. And I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And now I'm one of yours. You prayed that for the first time. You're a new creation. You're a child of the King. I want you to connect with staff when we're all done. We'll give you a Bible, welcome you to our church. Now, here's what I'm doing. I want to take communion. Communion is a great thing because communion celebrates the cross. Go ahead and take the cellophane off the top of your cup. We have two elements. We have the bread and the juice. Jesus says, this bread is my body which was broken for you. And he says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. And basically real simple is, the bread represents the body of Jesus which was, was broken for your physical, emotional, mental healing. That Jesus bore every scourge that he took on his back. His flesh was ripped apart. He did that so you could be whole. And when he died on the cross and shed his blood, his head, his hands, his side, his feet, and that blood spilled out of him. He did that to pay your sin debt. He died for you. So Paul says, as long as you partake of this bread and this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's something we do regularly. You don't have to be a member of our church to do this. You can do it at home. But we like to do it as a body. We're family here. So just take the bread in your hand. And if you have any physical need right now, when we pray for this, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to visualize the spirit of truth 
digging deep into that well of God and pulling out the exact truth that covers your physical needs. He's making a transfer even right now. Father, I thank you for this bread. I thank you that it represents the body of Jesus that was broken for me. I receive wholeness into my body. Soundness of mind. Peace. Pain go in the name of Jesus. Sickness go in Jesus' name. Wholeness come. thinking about my own life. Mistakes I've made. Wrong choices. Facts I've believed that led me down the wrong path. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Under the new covenant, it says that he remembers my sin no more. He chooses not to remember it. Because I'll tell you what God the Father remembers. He doesn't remember your sin. He remembers Jesus' payment. He remembers Jesus, his son's blood shed for you. That's what he thinks about. And he sees you perfect sees you sin free. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son that died and shed his blood so that we could be whole, so that we could be righteous, so that we could be forgiven. We receive this in remembrance of that great price that he paid. And I declare to every demon every demon I'm forgiven I'm forgiven take that Jesus drink so we're just going to close just a little time just a, just a short time of worship I'm going to invite you for prayer if you need prayer today and all of us do at some point or other. Let us pray with you. Let us pray with you. Come to agreement. Let Jesus make that transfer in your life.